we have entered together this season of waiting, of longing, of Advent, of the coming of our Lord. We are not waiting in some deception. We are not now tricking ourselves to forget Christ's incarnation at Christmas so we can receive that news as if for the first time. No, we know that the Son of God took on flesh and lived among us. We know that we will remember his coming in just a couple of weeks' time with much feasting and celebration. Our waiting is rather a genuine waiting. We wait in darkness looking for light. We wait in trouble looking for peace. We wait in sorrow seeking out joy. And we wait in the apathy and misery of this world trusting in love. We wait for nothing other than the coming of our Lord with might and with power and for his kingdom to come in its fullness that should have no end. We wait sometimes at a distance, even as the Magi waited in that far-off land and knew hope for a thing which was promised. A couple of weeks ago, Nestor reminded us of that hope which we continue to hold in faith. We wait trusting in that which we cannot yet see, even as Simeon and Anna would receive the Christ child, but not know the means by which his salvation would come. And we are encouraged to have peace in what God knows and we do not, as Natasha reminded us last week. This week we come to the advent of joy and how much joy there is in this story of Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John having only just experienced firsthand the joy of a newborn baby myself, this story and stories like it take on fresh meaning for me in ways that make me wonder if I ever really did, if I ever really could have understood these things at all. Joy takes us all by surprise in the end, for we can scarcely imagine its depth. Joy even the possibility of joy certainly takes Zechariah by surprise in today's text. There's a lot of context to help us to understand the compounding layers of joy to be had here. First, we hear that Elizabeth is barren, and both she and Zechariah are old. Children are out of their picture. Then we read that Zechariah is chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to offer incense. And this might not phase us all particularly much, but this is actually something of a miracle. There were 24 divisions of priests which served in the temple, each of them responsible for about two weeks of service every year. It's Zechariah's division's time. This is something special. But among those 24 divisions, you won't believe this, there were 18,000 priests. 18,000 priests who served the temple from the house of Aaron. Zechariah's section is responsible for this week, and as if by chance, Zechariah is chosen to offer incense in the sanctuary. Something that with such a great number of priests was really a once-in-a-lifetime experience for any of them. Additionally, we must realize that most of Israel in this time believed that there weren't prophets anymore, that God didn't speak to his people anymore. An ancient Jewish text from the first century says this, quote, but now the righteous have been assembled and the prophets are sleeping. More 
than prophets sleeping, most people believe that God's spirit did not move or speak in Israel at all anymore. This is the religious outlook at this time. And then Zechariah enters the sanctuary. That once-in-a-lifetime experience made real for him. No chance, no fate, but the very will of God. For the angel of the Lord comes with good news for Zechariah. Good news, your prayer has been heard. Amazing, the, pray that you, the prayer that you prayed every day over many years, the hope that you had every month with bated breath, dashed again and again, the prayer you had almost forgotten you prayed at all because you've not prayed it in a very long time. That prayer has been answered at last. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Even though you are old, even though she was said to be barren, you will have joy and gladness. You will name him John. What a very good day Zechariah must have been having. Then bigger news, better news to me at least, John will be filled with the Holy Spirit from before his birth. That thing you thought didn't happen anymore, it's happening. He will turn many people to the Lord their God. The spirit and the power of Elijah will go before him. Elijah, the greatest prophet, Elijah, but prepares the way for your son, a new prophet of a new age of the Lord's might and power. Wow, what incredibly good news. Surprising news, certainly, but joyful news. And Zechariah has a question, which is fair. You might have a question. His question is not about the sudden return of prophets to Israel. That would be a reasonable question. And his question is not about the kind of work which God has prepared for this son of Elizabeth and Zechariah to do. Rather, he's still caught up on that very first piece of news that the angel came to pronounce. The preliminary information of the angel before it got to the really good stuff. You're going to have a son. How can this be? How will I know that this will happen? Far from joyful in this moment, Zechariah perhaps could best be described as shocked, as incredulous. Zechariah reacts to this news even as his ancestor Sarah reacted as she heard the Lord's promise of a child to Abraham. There's just no way. There's just no way. And it's easy for us to be surprised at Zechariah's reaction to this news. But we, like him, so often live with such a narrow vision of God and God's work in our world. Zechariah's Israel did not really expect another prophet to come to them, did not anticipate God's word and work in their lives. And Zechariah himself had succumbed to the reality that he would never be a father. None of this is very different than how we are at all. We hear good news pronounced to us each week, that the brokenhearted would be bound up, that the prisoner might be released, that rulers may be brought down from their thrones and the hungry filled with good things. We hear this good news, which is the gospel promise of our Lord every Sunday. Ew. And how surprised would we be if God actually did it? How surprised would we be if God actually did it? How surprised are we when the sick are healed? 
because we really only expect death, even though God promises life. How surprised would we be if the homeless of Toronto were genuinely cared for, or if we were told the rich would not benefit from the next election? We would be flabbergasted. We too would ask, how could these things be true? We do not very much expect God's work in our lives or in our world either. This morning, I'm sorry to say, you do not have an angel before you to tell you these things. Rather, only a minister who longs for them to be true but struggles to see them just as often as you do. Zechariah, however, is in the very presence of the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God who has been sent to give good news which is quite the resume for somebody to not believe. And Zechariah is given his sign, which is also a reprimand, because you did not believe my words. A miracle and a lesson. Elizabeth receives this news joyfully with no angelic pronouncement. She is suddenly pregnant in old age and barrenness, and she knows, quote, the Lord has done this for me. She receives what many of us would see as simply a surprising turn of events. She sees it for what it is, a sign of God's favor, and she rejoices. I wonder what good things have happened to you unexpectedly, surprisingly, which you have not rightly seen as the work of God in your life? What shocking news are we more incredulous in receiving than quickly grateful to God for who works wonders for us even now? Zechariah is made mute, but words are not needed to express joy at good news. Indeed, often words fail to convey joy at all. When Mary, recently told of Jesus' coming birth, visits her cousin Elizabeth, John jumps for joy in his mother's womb. Filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, he announces the coming of Christ from the womb, expresses joy with no words, points his family to those sure promises of God. John leaps for joy in the presence of his Lord, His joy announces that which no one can yet see, but will surely be. So too, we take up that still same work in Advent. We together sense what others cannot yet see. We sense our still living and yet to come Lord near at hand. And we leap for joy, sing with joy, turn from all weeping, because we know the one who will one day wipe every tear from our eyes is coming soon. In Lent, the season which precedes Easter, we choose to sit with sorrow, we choose to mourn, we choose to die to ourselves on that road to the cross, trusting that life will yet come. And in this season of Advent, things may feel similar, but they are so different. There is sorrow, there is lament, But more than these things, there is longing. In Advent, the world is dark, but we wait for light. The world despairs, but we hold on to hope. The world is turned over in tumult, and we have peace, 
the world sorrows in decay, and we leap with joy. In Advent, what to all the world seems to be a tomb of evil and wickedness, of hopelessness and all is lost, to our well-trained eyes and yearning hearts is known to be the dark waters of the womb from which the new creation will burst forth. This is the season of Advent, and this is the reason for our joy, that like Zechariah and all Israel before him, our prayer has also been heard. All that sorrows you, all that grieves you, all that unsettles you, all that hides from your sight, yes, all that we now know, is nothing other than birth pains which announce the exceedingly joyful thing which is yet to come. When John is finally born, when that bundle of joy arrives to this family, and after his long silence, Zechariah prophesies, not in awe and thanksgiving for a child, that was the mood of his neighbors and his family, and that was the thing which he certainly got hung up on earlier, but it seems after many months of silence, he has come to appreciate the mystery of God's work. As C.S. Lewis says in his work, Surprised by Joy, quote, only keep your eyes open and your mouth shut and everything will lead you to everything else in the end. Eyes opened and mouth shut for nine long months and Zechariah has been led to a fuller truth. The surprise of a child, which is more than a child, who is a prophet come to a prophetless people after many generations. And Zechariah says, God remembered his promise. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. What joyful news this is for all the world. Yes, it is dark in these days. This night of COVID has been long. The shadow of war constantly looms. Climate disaster threatens our very survival. Political divides deepen. And God has remembered his promise. Because of the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us. Dawn is coming, friends. This is the hope of Advent. Dawn is coming to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in shadow of death. To shine upon you and to shine upon me and to guide our feet in the way of peace. There is forgiveness of sins. Dawn is coming. Light will shine on our darkness. We will be led in the way of peace. What joyful news, and news which we can find truth in even now if we open our eyes to God's hand at work among us today. If we can receive the good and surprising things of life as mercies, which show the favor of God rather than things which we ought to be indignant of. If we can believe even this dark time is the womb of the new creation 
rather than the tomb of all that is good. When we see the darkness, pain, and sorrow of our world in Advent, we are to remind ourselves that our best response to these things is simply come, Lord Jesus. We lament the ways that God's peace is not present in our world. We grieve all the things that rob all people of true joy. And yet we hear the angel's words, your prayer has been heard. And we know the truth of that answer in the words of Jesus Christ. So we say with great joy, come, Lord Jesus. And sometimes, even in this dark world, we may be surprised. Surprised at Zechariah by joyful news, impossible news. A child to be born in old age, full remission of the cancer, acceptance to the program we applied for, the loving kindness of a stranger. And even as we sing or leap for joy in our surprise at this very good thing in a world so marred by darkness, we still call out, come, Lord Jesus. Because in him and by him will our joy be made complete. May we all revel in the joyous news of our Lord. May we all long for his coming And may we joyfully announce it to all who we know and all who we meet in word and in deed that he is coming soon. Truly, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Zechariah had nine months of silence, so we'll give you two minutes. Two two minutes to close your mouths for me to close my mouth. And to listen, to listen to God's Spirit. And here are a couple of prompts for you if you're not sure what the Spirit might be saying to you today. First, what good and joyful thing have you not been grateful to God for? An opportunity to name those things, to find the joy of those things, and to give God thanks for them. And secondly, a little bit more practical, how might you display joy in Christ's coming kingdom to those around you, even without words? John leapt for joy. I'm sure there's, there's a joyfulness that exudes from us who anticipate Christ's coming that we should be intentional about displaying in this time. So some thoughts for you to, to linger on and an invitation for you to keep silence and listen for God's spirit today.